Okay, so this is the second installment of our current series called All In, and we're going to be talking about how we believe that God has always called his followers to be all in in his church, right? When he called the first disciples, what did he say? Lay down your nets and come follow me. In the next words, it says, immediately they left and followed him. So that he always calls his followers to be all in with his church. So we want to start with a question this morning. Um, if, if, if you're a note taker or if you're a deep thinker, just start with a question. What was God's intention or his idea when, it, when, it, when he created the church? What was his intention or his, his big idea when, it, when he went in to, to create the church? And what, what I really want you to see this morning is that not only was the church God's idea, but it was also God's only plan. It, 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 we like to say in our church culture, it was God's, was, the church was God's plan A to establish God's kingdom on earth. Are we, are we tracking with that? The church is God's plan A to introduce people who are far from Jesus, far from God, to, be, to, to the love of God. So God uses his church to introduce people who are far from God to the love of God through the cross, through the gospel. The church, full of God's people, empowered by the Spirit of God, sent out to carry, the mission, carry out the mission of God. That's, that's the mentality. That's the look. And so, but here's the sad part, guys. And I know <coughs> as we started talking about the church this morning, the moment I mentioned the word church, the love of God was probably the last thing that came to our minds, right? I, I mean, it did mine when I'm, th- when I'm studying through this. Like when I say the word church, the love of God and, and God's plan for redemption was probably the last thing that came to, to some of our minds. And that's a sad, sad reality. But for a long time, what's happened is the church has been the one thing that has actually kept people away from the love of God. Can we agree on that? Like, uh, the, the church has been the thing that, is, that, that has kept people away from the love of God by the way that we've treated them. We've shunned people because they sin differently than us. Right? We, we've shunned people, we've shunned the poor people and the lost people because they look different than us or they act different than us or they're in a different socioeconomic class than us. And we, and we, we shun them and we push them away and say, you, you can't really dress that way in church. Or you can't really do this in church because our church is set up in a certain way and it, you don't really want to mess, cause any waves. You know, we divide ourselves by races, by, by beliefs, by, by feelings and emotions and divisions. And, and this has to end if we're going to look and see what the church looks like in Scripture. And I have a question. Even, our, even in some of our outreach ministries, do, do you love the people that you're reaching? Are, first question, are you reaching people? Are, are you, if you're saying, hey, I'm, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, are you, are you an outreaching person? Is there some, is, is what defines your life, is, are, you, are you reaching out, reaching down to help people up and walk alongside of people in their life? That's the question, because that's what Jesus did. So that, the question in that, in our outreach ministries in the church, if you're going to serve at Channel Apartments, if you're going to serve downtown, if you're going to serve in these different areas of ministry, the nursing homes that we're in, these different things, do you really love the people that you're reaching? Or deep down, is it, are you really doing it for yourself, trying to scratch some religious itch that you may have, right? A, a good way to answer the, ask this is I had a conversation with someone who was going out to Channel Apartments doing these things. He said, would you go into these people's homes that we serve to have a meal? Would you do that? If you wouldn't, if there was a niche in your heart, there may be something off in that moment. And you need to ask yourselves why you're doing what you're doing. Because Jesus went to the least 
He went to the broken, the hurting, the lost, the, and not just the, the poor, but the poor in spirit who were rich. And he went after those people. But even, listen, even in the jacked upness of the church, even in that moment of how crazy we are, it is still God's plan A to reach the world with his love. It's still his plan to reach the world with his love. We just need a new perspective. We need to look at Scripture, have a refocusing, a regathering, a rally cry, a rally point around what Scripture actually says about the church, not our opinions of it. It don't matter what your opinion of church is. It matters what Scripture says the church is. And we're called to rally around the verses that we read in Scripture and gather around those things, come together as a body of, of Christ, come together walking with him to be able to do the things he's called us to do. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're here today and you're trying out church again after a while, or if you've ever been beat up by the church, I just want to just as a, an ambassador tell you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. That is not what Jesus had in mind when he set up his church. He had, he had in mind a body of believers who were coming under the lordship and the headship of Christ to be his body to reach and love the lost and the, and the, and the broken of this world. But I want to confess something to you also, that if you're here this morning, if you stick around Connection Church long enough, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to. You're, uh, if you sit around any church long enough, you're, you're going to be disappointed. You'll be disappointed in me. You'll be disappointed in other people. I'll let you down. I'll even eventually offend you probably. I mean, but thank goodness that God set this up, that this place is not centered on any man but Jesus. Listen, God's plan is still to reach the world, to reach the ends of the earth with his glory through the gospel by restoring people through his body. And what I read in scripture is that he wants to use the church to do it. He wants to use the church to do his work. There's no plan B. We're called to be obedient and to follow him. And if we're not doing it, who's going to do it? We're called to do that. And so as I dig, as I dig, as I dig in, as we dig in scripture, I realize there are people that are just here on a Sunday morning in this body, in this room right now, in every room across the nation that's in church this morning or whatever you meet. Like I realize there's people that are just coming in this building and going through the motions and just, and just want to check the church box off, church box off their to-do list for the week. And but then there's also people who are all in no matter what, no matter what comes, no matter what hardships, no matter what, they're all in to see the mission of God carried out in their life. And no matter where you're at today, no matter what camp you're in, maybe, I, I, I don't, you know, my heart is that you would start to see, your eyes would be open, what it is we're doing here, that our eyes will be open to what God's trying to do through this body, that life is more than just a day-to-day -day menial task we get weighed down in, that God has a huge plan for each person in this room. And so I want you to just kind of just dream with me for a second. I, I know you can't remember back to the day you were created because that would be, just be really weird, but I'm saying, like, think back for a second to the moment. Like, you, God had an intention in your, his mind when he created each individual in this room. When, his, when his, the, the thought came into his mind for your life, for, your, your, for, for you, for the things he had in mind for you, there was intention, there was great intention in that. And so, so many times we settle for so much less, but he's created and put so much gifting, so many giftings in your life, but we don't tap into those things because it's not safe all the time. Remember last week we tried it, we said we always lean towards the safe areas of life. We go, we never, remember I said we never, we never kind of drift to the gym, remember that? We never drift to the gym. I drift to Derek, we not, I don't drift to the gym, okay? Listen, you have to intentionally 
set your mind that this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. I, I've got to follow Jesus the way because he's my Lord. Remember, my Lord, if he's a Lord, I'm, I, I've got to follow him. And in just a second, we're going to have some people come on stage. We're going to do a little demonstration. Not yet, but it's going to be great. So get ready. Uh, it's going to be called at random. So I'm just kidding. It's not. So Romans 12. Let's, let's turn to Romans 12 really quick. We're going to read two scriptures pretty quickly. Romans 12. And if you want to flip over and put your finger in 1 Corinthians 12. So two chapter 12s. Romans 12, chapter, excuse me, Romans 12, verses 3 through 18. Romans 12, 3 through 18. And it says this. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. But rather, think of yourselves with sober judgment in, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many parts, many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of you, us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. If you, ha if you have your Bible circle, sincere, underline, love must be, like that's a verse that you need to hold on to. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. He's talking to the church. Be devoted to one another in love. What does that mean in, the, in, the, in our context in the church? Be devoted to one another. Are you devoted to the brother and sister next to you? Are you devoted to see them loving and, and, and living for the Lord, devoting yourselves to people? Honor one another above yourselves. That's another one. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice, practice, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless, and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I want to read that again. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Our culture, our church culture needs to hear that. Do not repay any evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means do your best to live at peace with everybody. You won't be able to do that, but you do your part. And so if you're trying to do this Christian thing here this morning, if you're, hey, I'm a Christian, Michael, and you're not a part of any kind of community, if you're not invested in any kind of church, when I say invested, I don't mean attending church. I mean invested in a church, getting, giving some skin to the game. You, you're investing your time, your treasure, your talent into that body. You're loving the people. You're, you're walking alongside the people. It says, it says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That means you are doing life together. You're celebrating one another's life. You're walking through trials and tribulations with one another. You're doing life together. And so if you're trying to do this thing alone, I want to tell you right now, you're doing it wrong. You're not doing it right. We're, we're called to be in fellowship, to grow, and to become who God has created us to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. We'll start in verse 12, and we're going we're gonna to go on till morning here. So pay attention. So just, just as a body, though, one has many parts, but it all, 
But all its parts, many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. This means this cuts down every racial barrier, every socioeconomic barrier. This means we are all one with Jesus. There's no more, there's no room for all that. It's time for us to put those things aside and come under the name of Jesus and live in unity in that. 14, even to the body, even, though, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. What does that say? Every one of them where? Just as he wanted them. That means nobody in this place is above any other person. God has placed you where he wants you to do the things he's called you to do. It's not about a hierarchy in that moment. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts needed no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal, have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So are we rejoicing? Are we suffering with our, with our people? Are we considering ourselves higher than we should? Are we walking in humility with each other? Because what both of these passages tell us is that God reveals a part of himself through each one of us. Each one of us. He reveals a special part of himself. How awesome is that? That's incredible, man. My grandmother used to have this mosaic like it was like a clear stained glass like mosaic in front of her, her window and in the kitchen of her house. And I used to think it was always beautiful because the light shone through it and had all the different colors and all the different pictures and it had all the different borders. And it was, it was just very, it complemented one another well, very well. And I started thinking about this. That's exactly what the church is. The church is a mosaic. Each tile or each person may be beautiful on its own, but when it comes together and compares, combines together, it creates something far more beautiful with the pieces being fit together and they complement one another. Do you see that? Is that a good image? I'm, 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 I have a lot of image in that. So it's the same way with Jesus. There's parts of Jesus that I'll never know or I will only, I will only know by knowing you. Because certain dimensions of his beauty have been revealed in your life that may not have been revealed in my life yet. Each one of us, what happens is we portray a picture of Christ that is incomplete until it's placed next to the other pieces in the church. And so what I want to show you, I want to do a little illustration of the people that I've asked to come help me. Please come help me. All right, this is about to be good. So... What I want to show you is an illustration, and, and I, I love illustrations, and I love a, a visual aid in a lot of ways, but what we're looking at is a church is, 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 you can't, we cannot carry out the work of the church unless we're working together, unless the church is unified, unless the church is, 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 is complementing one another to see the kingdom come on this earth. 
And so I want to show you something really quick. Do you remember y'all's order? Yeah, that's perfect. You, Kristen's over here, and then Travis, and then Sarah, and then J-Rod. Okay. All right, so this is what it looks like. So everybody knows Kristen. She was on the worship team earlier, right? Say, hey, Kristen. Okay, so this is, this is, this is Kristen's gift. Go ahead. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Beautiful, right? Okay. Now, Travis is going to do the same line, okay? So let's, let's hit, it, hit me one time. It's who you are. It's who you are. Okay. But now, listen, Travis, I, I'm a brother of mine, he's in my connect group, um, super gifted in teaching and, and, and biblical knowledge. And so now share, just share a word of scripture that you just build in your heart. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, mm. and it's unfading. Amen. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise mm. and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Amen. So Travis may not be able to sing as beautifully as Christian, but Travis knows the word. And he's able to memorize, he's able to teach, and he's able to love others through sharing words of encouragement through Scripture, right? All right, now Sarah's going to memorize some Scripture, some stuff. I'm just kidding, she's not. <laughs> but why do you have on an orange shirt? Because I'm serving in kids today. Why are you serving in kids today? Um, God laid it on my heart from a really early age that kids was my area that he was going to want me to serve in. Um, and he made it, he made it very clear from the time that I was in middle school that I needed to be in the nursery. I needed to be where the kids were. Um, and so that led me to, um, to teach as my profession. Um, but part of the reason I do that is because I love, I love building relationships with the kids. Um, I love being the hands and feet of Jesus for them, showing them what it means to live a life that is pleasing to him, that serves him. Um, and part of why I love serving in kids so much is that I get to build relationships with your kids, and I get to show them what it looks like to pray, what it looks like to sing praises to Jesus over there. So when they come in here, they're like, oh, this is what, this is what my parents get to do, and I'm doing that in there too. Um, and it just, it, I don't just minister to them. They minister to my heart as well. Um, this morning, Travis was praying over um, KK for us, and he talked about how 
I mean, they minister to us just as we, just right. as much as we minister to them. Their childlike faith is just such an inspiration to me every week because as adults, we can get bogged down in, you know, the trials and tribulations of life. But whenever you talk to a kid and you ask them who Jesus is, they can tell you immediately that he is their, he is their best friend, that he made them, and that he loves them and wants to be their friend forever. And so that's what we get to pour into them every Sunday. And that's why I love serving in kids. Think she likes kids? Okay. All right, this is the first time Jared's ever held a mic. I'm just kidding. Um, so how, how often do you serve in kids, Jared? Never serve in kids. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. So just, just a moment. Who built the, that, most of that sound booth in the back? I did. Who built the stage most of it? I did. Okay. Jared has a lot of craftiness. He, if you need anything built, he's your man, okay? Don't, I'm just kidding. But he's a, he's a, he has a, has a heart to serve and to love and give. If you need something, he'll give you a shirt off his back. And the, the verse that was talking about serving, do it, I mean, serve with, with the heart of Christ, like, that's Jared. Like, he, he's been up here at 5 in the morning before working on stuff for this church. And so it takes every one of these giftings to make a church come together. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Good job. And so the whole point of that is if you really want to see Jesus, if you really want to know Jesus, being involved in the local church is crucial because what Scripture tells us is that the power of God flows through the church as it's united. The power of God. If you go to some churches, it's just like, you know, it's just like what's happening in this place? We're just singing. Well, I don't understand. That. I don't feel like God's here. But the, you, a unified church, one that is using their gifts, it's not people who are sitting in the pews or the chairs, the people who are coming alive in Jesus, being sanctified through the, through the washing of the Holy Spirit. Those moments is when the church come alive. Because if you want to know the power of God, if you want to see the power of God working in your life, you need to be involved in the church. Not just attending, you need to be involved in the local body. I hear people sometimes say that they love Jesus, but they, but they don't see the need to be involved in the local church. I love Jesus, I'm saved and going to heaven, hallelujah, but I already see the need in going to church. I want to go as far as to say, it's hard for me to say I love Jesus and not love his church. It's almost impossible. If you look at scripture, you'll see, I've said this before, the church is the bride of Christ. And I've used this analogy in here before. I've said this before. If you come to me and say, hey, Michael, we love you. We want to hang out with you. But please leave Savannah at home because she aggravates us. Right? We don't want to hang out with her. We don't like her very much. Listen, you and me wouldn't be friends. And we'd have a big problem. Like, I might, I might get violent. I don't know. I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm a human, okay? Listen, we're, my wife and I are one flesh. We're, we're one flesh. We're tied together to the heart. It's the same with the church. Jesus died for his church. You can't separate Jesus and his church. At the cost of his life, Jesus bought the redemption of his church. And as the bride, we're called to delight ourselves in him, in him alone. Not, the, not some of these other, uh, just the things we spend our time on. And what happens is a lot of Christians try to do life alone and pray to God and ask him to help. Um, in their problems or in their marriages or their finances. And it's like they expect God to just zap them with some sort of Holy Ghost taser gun or something. And they say, God, help, us in my, help me in my marriage. God, help me in my marriage. Help, help me to love my wife. God, help me to love my husband. And, but we think he's just going to zap us one morning. We're going to wake up playing a harp, totally in love, and you're not selfish anymore. Right? That's, that's what we think. That's, that's how we kind of roll with it sometimes. But what happens is he doesn't do it that way. 
so I guess I'll go to church and get some prayer. The church has been the plan B for so long. And even some of us in here this morning may be praying for power. God, give me power to overcome. Give me power to endure. But if you're not connected to the church, the body of Christ, then I believe God is like, why are you asking me to work in your life when I put this power over here and you're not connecting yourselves to it? You're choosing to separate yourself from it. Like what? I don't understand. And hear me right, guys. I'm not saying... Going to church, it's about being planted, being rooted, being invested in the local church, the local body, having some skin in the game, honoring God with our time, our treasure, our talent within the context of the local church. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 12 that we just read about a second ago, think of the analogy of the body. Think about that for a second. I think about like, you know, I think about doctors and I think about the, the medical field and, you know, think about how, you know, how the body works. Jesus works through his body. The head is Jesus and the body is us as a church. We do what he says. He's the head of the body. We're the body. And so you think about you being in the hospital or you being, uh, if one morning you woke up and you know that you, you, I need to move my arm, but I can't move my arm. You're telling your arm to move, but you're not moving. What, what are you thinking? I need to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. There's an issue. If, there, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if, my, if my head tells my body to do something that it's not doing, that's called a dysfunction or a disorder or an illness or a sickness that needs to be addressed. You need to go to the hospital. You need to get some x-rays. You might have a broken arm. You might have some sort of disease that you didn't know about. You need to go see a physician. And the thing is, is the church walks around a lot of times in our culture dysfunctional and acting like nothing's wrong, Right? Where God's saying, move, make disciples, make disciples, make disciples, go, go, go. And we're just sitting here in our holy huddles on Sundays, praising Jesus' name, but not doing what he says. And there's a dysfunction in that. And it's time for us to step into the body or step into our relationship with Jesus and walk in obedience to what he's calling us to do. Because what right do we think we have to ask God for power if we've separated ourselves from the place where he promises his power would dwell? In the Old Testament, the power of God dwelled in the Holy of Holies, in the temple. Now, the power, the power of God, the, the Spirit of God dwells in his church. That's us. That's us. Us together. Coming together as one, that is a powerful thing. That's why unity in the church is so powerful. If you, if you bring a bunch of people together, all unified around one name, which is Jesus, all being obedient in their giftings, living it out to see my fruit, feed other people, and loving one another in that, that is a powerful group of people because Jesus is moving in that moment. So some questions I have for you is to ask yourself is where you're at with this. Like, where are you at in this moment? Has the mission of God become personal to you? You know, ask yourself that question. Has the mission of God become personal to you? Like, is this something that drives your heart? I got I to gotta make disciples, man. I got I to gotta see what God's saying. I need to hear clearer from him so that I can be more obedient. And going deeper with that, has the mission of any church that you've been a part of become your own personal mission? Or are you always thinking about how you could do it better? Think about that for a second. That's, that's been me before in church. I would do that differently. I would do that differently. I would do that differently. I could probably preach better than him. I could probably sing better than her. I can do this better. Instead of using the gifts God gave you in the context that he gave them to you. Or have you just been a spectator in kingdom work? Have you generously invested your time, your treasure, your talent for the kingdom purposes? Because this is the truth. You need the church as a Christian and the church needs you. 
You need the church. The church needs you. You're better when you're invested in the church. Someone who's come off someone who's come off, off of the fringes and come into the church in the last year can testify that, that they are better people from being in the church. This year, we've seen God do some incredible things to this body because our church, people are starting to become, getting more and more involved, and we're believing we're believing God's going to do so much more in this coming year as we, keep to, as we seek to, to, to center our hearts more and more and more on him. And we want this place to be a, hope, a place of hope and a lighthouse for this community. Um, this year, just because of y'all's obedience, we have a slide, I think. Just because of y'all's obedience, we've seen 21 people receive Christ this past year. Since Connection's been in existence, we've seen 32. Um, we've seen 28 baptisms. We've seen 44 people go through heart and soul waiting uh, to get, wanting to get more invested in, in the church. That's just this year alone. Uh, we've seen 51 people sign up for connect groups. 40 students have come through our students program this past year. 104 kids have passed through our kids ministry this year as first-time guests. And we've seen 284 people who are first-time guests come through our door and hear the gospel. But as we move into the future... We believe God has called us to be all in as a body, as a church, to go to our Jerusalem, to go to our Judea, to go to our Samaria, and to go to the ends of the earth. And we plan to give him our first and our best to do this effectively. Then I'm telling you, we have to be healthy. We have to be healthy in this, or we cannot do this because we'll be fighting each other. We'll be fighting one another. We'll be fighting ourselves in this. What this means is you look in Scripture. This means people that call connection home should be characterized by their growth in Christ. You can't just come and, and just sit and absorb. You have to come and invest and give your life to see the kingdom come on this earth through the context of the church. This means passivity. Passivity has to be killed. You have to destroy passivity in your life and be obedient to what God is calling us to do. Let obedience come alive in your home. Don't allow that to, to take over. And to see this happen, guys, we will be a church that gives God our first and our best because our vision and connection is not to have a big group of people huddled around the gifts of one leader or one pastor, but a group of people that is empowered to lead other people, a big group of leaders who are being empowered to go in, into the community and love on the community. Not a big group of people coming here to be awed at the power of, of any leader, but a group of people who are being released to take God's power into their community. That's the heart because the greatest access of power is not me in the church, not a pastor coming up here and, and loving on y'all and preaching to y'all every week. That's not the biggest access of power the church has. The biggest access of power the church has is the church coming together, us leaving this place and doing ministry in the streets, in your jobs, in your homes, in the, in, while you're on a date, loving on people that you see on the streets, loving on the people that you see at your work. But you listen to the Holy Spirit and you do what he says. Because I promise you, when you're connected to him, he's going to lead you to try to reach other people because we're being called to reach other people. Because I believe, I really do, that the best ideas for ministry aren't me. They aren't staff. They're in you guys. They're in you guys. There's some people here that can testify to this, but if you come to me and say, hey, pastor, we need this type of ministry at your church. I say, yeah, we probably do. That's a good idea. I'm going to tell you next. I'll say, uh, after that little awkward silence, I'll tell you, since God gave you this desire, you should probably start it and we'll just support you. And then usually people run out the door because we've created this, we've created this, this culture of, of being served in the church instead of serving. If God gives you a vision, let's talk about it. Let's walk it out. Let's flush it out and see what God has. And we want to empower the church to do what it's called to do. 
Because according to Ephesians 4, church leadership equips the body of Christ to do and go perform the works of the kingdom. Never in the, never in the New Testament do we read about, the, about people being commanded to come into the church, but the church, however, is frequently commanded to go out into the world, right? Our evangelism model in this church, for me, is not for me to share the gospel you know, through a microphone each week. It's, it's for you to faithfully go out into your jobs and love on the people that God's put in your life because you'll be able to contact and reach people I'll never be able to touch. God's put you in place to do the things that he's called you to do, and that's what our heart is to do. And as a church, I, wanna, I want us to be a people that says Jesus and his mission will be first in all we do. Everything we do in this place, Jesus' mission is going to be first. That's what you talk about. That's what you think about. That's what, there's no time to waste. And then, listen, you, you've got you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years tops to live on this planet. What are you doing with the time that God's given you? Are, are we wasting time? The answer is yes, we are. It's time to be urgent in what God's called us to do because this is going to express itself in two ways. We'll do whatever it takes to reach the lost, even if it's uncomfortable, and we'll do whatever the Holy Spirit tells us no matter what. Those two things have to be present. Those are the only ways that's going to happen. But here's what happens. <clears throat> I shared this with y'all last year during this series. When, when, when churches like ours get bigger, people begin to kind of settle in and get comfortable. They bring their snuggies to church, you know, and they, they experience this strange inertia that kind of, kind of slows momentum, kind of brings us into the fold. We get to this place where we're just kind of comfortable, right? And all of a sudden, the mission and vision kind of becomes silent. The, the momentum in the church kind of falls and basically what happens is the momentum slows to a crawl. And what happens is we move from a mission mentality to a maintenance mentality. We're just trying to keep everything going. You know, we're trying to hold up this plate and keep this plate spinning and make sure this is still right. How's our kids' ministry? How's our youth ministry? How's this going? Is that ministry? Are people coming to our church? Are people giving? Are people going? No, that's not the goal. The goal is to see people reach for the name of Jesus be missional. And they go from being reckless in the mission. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll give my time, treasure, and talent, do whatever Jesus wants me to do. And they go from that to being comfortable in the institution that was created for them, to have that it scratched of religion. And I saw a chart one time that I want to share with you. I shared it with you last year, and it really opened my eyes, and it explains the difference between a first-generation and a second-generation believer in a church. Basically, the people who blaze the trail to see, to see a church planted, to see a church be effective, to see the greatest impact a church could possibly have in an area, and then it versus the people who ride the coattails of the trailblazers. The first one you can see, the first generation person who's involved in a church and wants to see a church go is someone who does whatever it takes. I'll serve every week. I'll do this. I'll, gi I'll give. I'll go. I'll, whatever's needed, I, I'm going to do it. You need, you need help here? I'll do it. The second generation person does only what I'm asked to do. If you need, do you need me to tell, I'll do what you need me to do. Take ownership. Second, the second thing, the first generation assumes resp personal responsibility. It's not just Michael's vision anymore. It's, it's my vision. It's my responsibility. The second generation assumes someone else will do it. All right, there's, there's trash there. Oh, there's, there's somebody that needs to be discipled. Let me talk to somebody else and see if they can disciple them. They'll assume someone else will do that. The third thing. The first generation person expects personal sacrifice. It's going to be a sacrifice, but it's far worth it. It's far more worth it than anything I can imagine because it's, it's talking about the kingdom. Because whenever Jesus comes back in all of his glory and I'm praising his name in heaven, the things on this earth ain't going to matter no more. It's going to be like a distant memory. But the second generation are so focused on the earth that they're expecting personal comfort, right? 
chairs weren't comfortable enough or the, the lights were too bright or too loud or this is that. What's happening? I, I, need, I need my church to be like I like my church. I didn't like that song. That's okay. We weren't singing to you. All those, those types of things, you know, those types of, those types of mentalities in the church. The fourth one, the first generation, they see a problem and they seek a solution. I see a problem. Let's fight this, see this thing, have a solution. The second generation person sees a problem and complains, right? Y'all are all like, I know that person. I mean, look, don't do that. I'm saying like, we, they see a person and they, can, they, they see a problem and they complain. And like, it's important that we're first generation in all these areas. The, th the next one, they see a possibility and dream is about what can be. This is, this is, this is a potential. We can reach these people if we just do this. We can reach this area of our community that we've never been able to go to. Let's go, let's go after it. Let's talk about it. Let's meet about it. The next person sees barriers and reasons to quit. This, this is too hard. Not doing it. Too hard. Next thing. They hear from God and they own the vision. They pray. They're listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's moving in their life and they own the vision that he puts in their heart. The second generation inherits the vision secondhand and questions every decision because they haven't owned it. The next one is a first generation steps out with bold, reckless trust in God. Steps out with bold trust with God. The next one sits satisfied in the stability of this institution. Whenever things aren't going like we like it, guess what? We'll just go to the other church. Whenever I'm confronted in my sin, guess what? I'm going to go to another church and do the same thing there and do the same thing in the next church. We, we call those people church hoppers, and it's an epidemic. The church was meant to come to, to be loving and to be doing life together, not hopping around to church to church. Fear is holding anything back from God. That's the, that's the first generation. I'm scared to death of holding anything back from God. I can't hold it back because he's, he owns it all. He's my Lord. The next guy, fears commitment. And then the last one, feels privileged to be a part of what God's doing in the movement. The second generation feels entitled to the benefits of the institution. So my question as we end this morning is which one are you? Which one are you? We believe God is moving in such a way that tells us that he wants to do something great in this place, in this house, but it's going to take first generation faith, the, 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 the kind of faith that it, I'm going to do whatever it takes to see the kingdom come in this place. I'm going to do whatever it takes to see uh, Jesus glorified in this city. I have a heart for this city. I want to serve this city. I want to serve Jesus through serving this city. It's going to take a church of people who are committed to the mission of God and raising up the next generation to be first generation thinkers, to look at those kids and teach them how to do whatever it takes, to teach them, the students, how to do whatever it takes, drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is what it's going to take. Are you in or are you out? And we're going to lose people. And it's going, it's going to happen because this is not the type of mentality that America has taught people how to do church. We've taught people how to do church by petting them and saying, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Everything's okay. It's not going to be that bad. When Jesus says, you might lose your life. And it's important that we see that. Joshua 24. Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Everybody's pumped up by that verse, right? I'm like, yes. But the sad part is two verses later, two chapters later, in Judges chapter 2, you see, after that whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, I mean, they died, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor, had, nor what he had done in Israel. So after all that talk, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do it. We're doing it. 
Two generations later, or a generation later, nobody knew Jesus, or nobody knew God, and nobody had heard about what he had done. That's sad, right? I want to be a church that we will always be that, a church that remembers what God has done and raises up that next generation to live for Jesus and not just for comfort. Because here's my personal promise to you. I promise you this, is I promise I'll always be a pastor that pushes you to the first generation thinking. I will always do my best to challenge you. I will, I will, I will fight to see our church follow Jesus first and all we do, even if it means you don't like me. I want to see you come alive in Jesus. I want to see the good things that were put inside of you come, come to life. And I just want to fade back in the shadows and watch it happen. Because I want to see, like, I want to see something I've never seen before. I want to see scripture come alive because there's people to reach, nations to reach, missionaries to send, churches to plant, people in our community that need the Lord, and it's up to us to reach them. And so this morning, I want you, I want to tell you something this morning is where you're at in this is you can't be invested in the church like we've been talking about until you've trusted Jesus with your life, until you've become a, if you, until, you, until you know Jesus, until you've given your life to Christ. And last week, we had a brother come come to faith in Jesus last week, which is amazing to see um, the prayers that went up for him and, and the, the moment of salvation for him. And, and it just brings back so many memories of my time and my, 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 my conversion and the way that I, I read scripture now and how my, my desire, my heart is to see people come alive in Christ. And so my question is this morning, like, I know a lot of you in here, and I mean, a lot of you know me, and, and I, I know, I don't, but I don't know your heart all the time. I don't know, you don't know my heart. And, we, and it's important, guys, that we know our own hearts, and we know where we're at. And so my question this morning is, do you know Jesus? Do you, do you know him? Not a version of him, not, a, uh, not some, something a pastor may have told you or something you read about in a devotional. Do you know the Savior? Like, do you know him? Do you have a relationship where him, I'm not talking about knowing facts about God, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about knowing Jesus as Lord, as, as the lover of your soul, because you can die apart from him and still know the facts about him. So this morning, it's important for me, to, I just want you to know the gospel that Jesus came and died for you. He lived a life that you couldn't live. He died on a death, he died on the cross, he died for you, a death that was deserved for you because of your sins. And this morning, if there's something that, that you feel like you need prayer for, we're gonna have a prayer team on, on each side of these walls that, that wanna pray with you. Um, if you need to turn your life over to Jesus, if you say, hey, Michael, I need to be saved. I want you to walk up to one of these guys and just say, hey, I need to be saved. If you know that's you this morning, I just pray that you would have um, just the, the courage to do that and not listen to the enemy as he tries to deter you from that. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So let me pray for you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done and who you are. God, I pray that you would just come and be with us in this moment, God, of decision. God, I pray that there's somebody here this morning that, that may have been disconnected from the church or may have been disconnected from you, Father, that, that you would just uh, be in their heart right now, speak to their heart, God, and, and just give them a uh, just a supernatural courage to be able to come to this altar and lay down some things, Father, they've been holding on to for a very long time. Father, I pray for the person who's stuck in sin. I pray that you would just give them uh, just a repentant heart in this moment, Father, to come to repent, to confess, Father, and give their lives to you. Lord, make us new in this moment, God. We praise you, we love you, and it's your name I pray. Amen.